The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. On the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, I'm Mark Lane, joined by Sean Martin, and we are so excited to start this week off with you. It is the first complete week after the 2022 NFL Draft when the Dallas Cowboys shored up some needs, and we'll be going over that. You can follow me on Twitter at TheRealMarkLane. Sean, where can they find you at? Hey, I am at Sean Martin NFL. Good to be back with you, Mark, and certainly do appreciate all the fans that tuned in during the draft coverage. Uh, you know, we appreciate everybody that was on our blogging the boys' live streams on the front page of the website. I'm always reminded every year, you know, just how much I I really do love the draft. You know, kind of, I'm not gonna say it snuck up on me this year, but I was excited for it. But then when it actually got started, it kind of over it overachieved with that excitement. It, it's just always so great to have the draft back and be talking about these players. So we sure do appreciate uh, everything that went on with that. Be sure to subscribe to the Hidden Yardage podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Hey, and also take a listen to our companion Monday show, First and Ten with Dave Sturchio, Tony Catalina, and Aiden Davis. They do a great job, as always, on Mondays, Garfield's least favorite day of the week. All right, so, Sean, let's go ahead and uh, get into the big pork roll burger here, which is the Cowboys. Now we're we're talking, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, the the Dallas offseason. Now that the draft is over, now that they have made basically all the moves, okay, has the Dallas offseason been a success or not i'm gonna say no and you know that that probably comes as a surprise you know my brand has kind of been built up as like you know usually being an optimist with this team and unless it just completely doesn't warrant being being that and there were times this offseason where it didn't and they and yet they kept selling us and oh well we still got the draft we still got the drafts i do like most of what they did in the, in the draft as we're going to get into but what i can't get over and why i'm gonna say no is the fact that we started this offseason talking about how can this team not only go on to continue to win the NFC East, you know, do it again next year, do it for the years to come, while these other teams figure out the quarterback situation and all that, but how quickly we've transitioned into wanting to say it's a success just because, oh, maybe they did enough to stay favorites in the NFC East. 
well, you know, the team themselves, Jerry told you himself, you know, that's not going to be good enough going forward. And, you know, he's got to put his money where his mouth is in terms of, you know, what happens if this team does lose in the first round again, or something like that. But, you know, the fact that we're sitting here talking about, oh, this offseason has been a success because they're good enough to win the NFC East, even though the Eagles added a bunch of talent in the draft of guys like Jordan Davis, even though, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, the best pass rusher in his class, went to the Giants. You can still compete with that. Well, I thought that wasn't going to be good enough, so that's kind of why I'm hesitant to say that this offseason has been a complete success. But, you know, I still do think this team has a clear shot to win the division, and you need to do that with the way the NFL playoffs are designed right now to uh, to have any chance at all. So there is that part of it to give you a glimmer of hope, but I just can't get past the fact that, you know, we thought things were going to be a little bit different, and yet they still fell back on just using the draft as kind of the only way to really add a whole lot. And then they went in and, you know, drafted the guy who's going to need a lot of work in the first round and went on from there, kind of just taking their guys as opposed to taking the best value overall because you weren't set up to take those overall talents based on what you did in free agency and things like that. In Sonic CD, which was a Sonic the Hedgehog game for, I think, the Sega CD, and then they had a PC version as well, you could go through these goalposts that would take you in the future on the level or go back in the past on the level. Um, and that's kind of what this offseason felt like was there were there are actually multiple timelines going concurrently. And what I mean by that is I don't think Dallas did anything to be competitive for 2022. I think they're riding out what, you know, what brung them in 2021. Definitely. But when you look at what they did in the draft, this, I see that they are taking care of some problems in the future. For example, Sam Williams, a second-round pick. I'm, I'm sorry, D. Williams is going to help uh, with the, the Dorrance Armstrong situation and with the Dante Fowler. He, spoke, you know, can take over for them. You've got Jalen Tolbert. He's going to be your receiver to take over when you've got to come up with what you're going to do with C.D. Lamb or um, get out of the Michael Gallup contract. Jake Ferguson, he helps you with the Dalton Schultz situation. So the way I look at it is they – they loaded up in the draft to address things in the future. If it shakes out correctly, these will look like smart moves. But relative to right now, I don't think that they added any firepower to compete with the New York Giants indefinitely. And I'm going to get so many people mad at me, but hmm. I think Brandon Lee Gowton's going to love what I'm about to say. I don't think they did anything to really compete with the Eagles in 2022. And no, I, so I feel like point, yeah. they took a step back in the uh, this offseason, but in the future, I think it will manifest in a couple steps forward. You know, they have they have strayed so far from using anything close to the word rebuild, right? But we've all kind of beat around the bush in our writing and our podcasting about this team and saying that, you know, Hey, are they are they actually in a soft rebuild right now? 
and you know it kind of feels that way and that's not to put down any of these draft prospects you know we'll get into a little bit of our scouting reports on how we feel these guys can contribute and i do think they got some contrib- okay sean i don't mean to interrupt you but i have already told you what it is it's maybe win now. But that means nothing. That's I mean, the that's, that's the most vague maybe. term you could possibly use. No, but it, no, maybe they'll win now. Maybe they won't. But that's what I mean is instead of a well, rebuild. Maybe, maybe any team will is. win now. <laughs> maybe, the sun, maybe, now. maybe the sun won't come up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've, they've dodged around this. But, you know, another theme that I've gone on about uh, in past episodes of this show is that, you know, I wouldn't say I've been critical of Dak Prescott in any way, but I've kind of challenged him when we started this draft process and he would ask me about different position groups and prospects. And I would mention that the overall strength of this class wasn't any one particular player or two, but yet, you know, the position groups as a whole. So he would pitch me on a position. I'd be like, oh, well, I don't think so at 24, because I think you can get somebody similar down the line. And you'd say somebody else. And I'd say the same thing. And, that was especially the case when you brought up, you know, positions like receiver, tight end, or you know, anything like that, where it was a it was a matter of elevating Dak Prescott's game. You know, yes, he should be happy you got him an offensive lineman in the first round, but that's assuming Tyler Smith can really, you know, adjust a lot in his game to to be a day one contributor. So that's what Cowboys fans are still talking about now. And you did take a tackle there with your first fifth round pick out of North Dakota as well and you took you know receiver and Jalen Torbert that Dak Prescott had some contact with before the draft that might be my favorite pick of this thing there in the third round but you know what about this team's third round history really gives you a lot of optimism that you know that's going to be a home run type of pick so you know we we all like what the Eagles did okay fair but is their quarterback situation where they want it to be probably not the Giants didn't pick up their fifth year option on Daniel Jones but they got a great offensive lineman and they got the best pass rusher. Those are picks you can't pass on. So they're doing everything they can to the point when they do find a franchise quarterback, you know, they might be in a nice position there. And then Washington is obviously going with Carson Wentz. And, you know, we all have our thoughts on how that's going to go uh, after watching him with the Colts this past year. And then even before then with the Eagles. So, yeah, I've been kind of, challenging Dak Prescott to be the guy that can elevate those around him. And I think the Cowboys are certainly, you know, making that statement of what they did in the draft saying, if we are going to keep winning this division, which is just a baseline for where they feel like they should be, Dak Prescott's going to have to really do a whole lot. And they tried to give him some tools to do that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a look at their uh, free eight, you know, looking at free agency now, now that we have the benefit of the draft, Let's go ahead and take a look at their free agent moves that they made. Uh, so Randy Gregory gets away, and they replace him with D. Williams, the second-round pick defensive end from Ole Miss. What do you say to that? Well, Jerry would tell you they replaced him with that other guy and Dorrance Armstrong. That other guy, Dante Fowler. Um, who is Dante Fowler? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, I mean, well, no, Jerry does that. Like, remember in 2018 when they had cut Dan Bailey and they went with Brett Maher and they ref- and he referred to Brett Maher as the other boy. Um, so he, so I thought you were making like a Jerry joke there for a moment. Um, 
Yeah, like I said, I don't think they replaced Randy Gregory with D. Williams. I think that D. Williams replaces Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler in the future. Uh, next, uh, Keanu Neal. Uh, I mean, they took Damone De- Clark in the fifth round. They took um, Devin Harper in the sixth round. Um, but Neal didn't really have much of an impact on the team anyway. Uh Malik Turner, he gets away to San Francisco, but hey, it, really that's kind of good for him. And you figure you can sign an undrafted free agent and have another situation where you can flip that. Connor Williams gets away to the Miami Dolphins, um, and Dallas brings in Tyler Smith, the first round pick, right? What do you think of that? Yeah, it's really interesting with Williams, right? Because, you know, we all kind of saw this coming, and the writing was clearly on the wall that. You know, for a number of reasons, he wasn't going to be, wasn't going to be a player the Cowboys really wanted to bring back. And you know, part of that was the fact he got benched mid-season and the penalties and some of the things you can't live with. But now, you know, doesn't it seem that maybe the reason, and they just don't want to say it, is more because of the cap situation. You know, maybe they actually did want Connor Williams back, but he was just another guy like Amari Cooper, like maybe a Randy Gregory, that you felt like you couldn't pay and you know that's why you lost him because I think you got a pretty similar type of player in Tyler Smith or even maybe even more of a project when it comes to moving him who played tackle and left college uh, left left tackle in college to now playing left guard for the Cowboys so you know a player like Smith if you were okay with Connor Williams and the penalties and some of the inconsistencies in the run game and, you know, the contact balance on the second level, the hand placement, uh, you know, getting bull rust and pass protection. You know, I got news for you when it comes to what Smith is going to give you. Uh, so that was definitely interesting to see how they kind of traced their steps backwards on, you know, feeling that their biggest need is off guard, which a lot of us agreed with, and then saying, hey, it's so big of a need that we can't even – pass over it. We know Johnson's gone. We know Kenyon Green is gone. But even still, we need to address this because we lost Connor Williams. That says a lot about, you know, what they might have thought of Connor Williams, opposite of what we all thought the situation actually was in that they were going to be more than fine moving on from him. But now you replace a player in Williams and kind of a similar type of player just on tape uh, with Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Yeah, and I think it's like you said, it was Probably that he's cheaper, and they figure they can get uh, the best out of Smith's career on the rookie contract as opposed to giving Connor Williams a second contract and, you know, let him go prove it with the Dolphins. Speaking of a Dolphins teammate who was a Cowboys teammate, Cedric Wilson, the receiver, they take Jalen Tolbert. Uh, Do you think, I mean, realistically, you think Tolbert by week 18 – is going to have replaced Cedric Wilson. Oh, I think before then, this is a guy that could contribute. I think what he should be most excited about with Tobert is kind of what he does without the ball in his hands. And you put on the tape of him at South Alabama, and it's clear he was their number one receiver. But even still, they kind of used him as that guy who, you know, could get on defensive backs in a hurry, kind of sells all of his routes the same, steps on the safety's toes, and then, you know, tight hips can kind of boast to the outside, and then that would free up a guy underneath. It was a heavy RPO offense, and you know they created a lot of easy completions for the quarterback there. And a lot of it, if the ball wasn't going to Tobert, 
was set up by the way, you know, Tobert could sell his routes and kind of explode athletically and things like that. So, yeah, I really do like what Tobert could potentially bring to this team, and I don't think it's going to take too long uh, for him to really show an impact. You know, the, the pressure's on Kellen Moore to scheme touches for C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup once he gets back in the lineup. You know, his scheme needs to create more touches. The fact that it wasn't for Amari doing so for Amari Cooper is ultimately why the Cowboys felt like they can move on now. Yes, the competition is what it is. They could have done better, and that's a mistake this offseason that we're going to look back on. But, you know, it's time for Lamb and Gallup's touches to really be a, a product of Kellen Moore's offense. And if not, you know, we, we might not be talking about him being the play caller much longer. But before the, you know, that was the case of Gallup, he was that guy where he can make those unscripted plays and, you know, lighten it down, play breaks down, and Prescott throws it out to Gallup, who's able to kind of recover and box a guy out and make a play. And I think you're getting those types of skills in Tolbert. So that's why I think he can definitely step in and uh, make a big difference here. And then, of course, James Washington, who I think was, uh, I mean, actually, when you look at it, C.D. Lamb replaces Amari Cooper, but they did bring in James Washington. Now, how do you feel about that particular free agent signing after the draft? Well, it was a move you needed because, I mean, the first round was a doomsday scenario, right? You got wiped out at guard and receiver, but yet you still found a guard, you know, a college tackle, but a player that's going to go to guard that at least they feel good about. Uh, but imagine the scenario if you didn't have Washington and you felt like instead of needing to take an offensive lineman, the script was flipped and you needed to take a receiver. You know, who did you feel comfortable with at 24 based on the names that were already gone? I don't know if anybody uh, really made sense there. So, you know, the Smith pick was heavily criticized. Fans still aren't happy about it, but I think they'd be even less happy if you could insert any of these second or third round receivers and bump them up around, which the Cowboys really did to a lot of these guys throughout their, their draft, taking them around early to make sure they got their guys. And it would be even less of a reaction uh, you know, to what they did there at 24. So it was the right direction to go offensive line. And that's because you didn't feel the need to reach for a receiver uh, thanks to the fact that you signed James Washington. So do you think that the draft was the best path given the way that free agency went to address team needs? Well, this team always is going to think the draft is the best path, and you know they've always been no stranger to pretty much telling us how they feel in pretty bluntly about these drafts. And they said it, and other teams echoed it, and they are right you know, in my own evaluation that the strength of this draft was the middle round and the depth that you could add. And, and so for that reason, I would say no, this wasn't the right approach because – Again, they told us straight out the strength of this draft isn't the star power, which is a missing part of this roster right now, and it still is. But the strength of this draft is instead, you know, getting those deaf guys where if, if you are truly a team that feel like you're a couple of players away or you're just building up for the future, then you can have a great draft. And they still did that and added those deaf guys that can really contribute. But where are those stars that could go help you win games? Yeah, you won 12 games last year, but now you're going up against a better Eagles team, a better Giants team, probably a better Commanders team. So that's why free agency could have helped you out a little bit more. So they took full advantage of what the strength of this draft was, and you got to give them credit for that. But you could have complimented a lot better in free agency knowing what this draft was. You know, This draft didn't sneak up on them. They knew exactly what they wanted to do. Their needs go straight down the needs that we all talked about. I mean, 
every Cowboys fan in America would tell you offensive line, defensive end, and receiver were their biggest needs, and that's what their first three picks went. And then they went tight end, which fans would say is a need. Another tackle, that makes a lot of sense. You add a corner for Dan Quinn, makes sense. Another linebacker, sir, defensive tackle, and an Arkansas player and John Ridgeway, and another linebacker. So all the picks make a whole lot of sense, but it also would have made more sense to go out and do more in free agency. But that's kind of beating a drum, you know, beating a dead horse there. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. I think they knew. Early, I think Stephen honestly knew when he came off the elevator on Monday at the Combine and met with the reporters there in the hallway. Um, I think they knew that this draft class was just going to have guys that could grow into starters. Uh, if you're familiar with the NFL.com scouting reports, the, the grades, I think like 6.5 and up is eventually becomes a starter. It's kind of what these guys are. I think they knew that that was going to be the case and that they weren't going to be big spenders in free agency. And uh, they just tried to sell people on the fact that they were going to shore everything up in the draft. And they did, but um, they shored it up for 23 and 24. They didn't really shore it up for now. And that's kind of the problem. And really, that's been the problem since 2007 that's why they don't repeat as playoff qualifiers or nfc champions yeah is because they win it and then they don't know how to sustain it and and, and these other and, and these other teams are getting pretty good by the way at, at you know you said the cowboys don't know how to sustain these other division rivals are getting pretty good at knowing how to attack your weaknesses right i mean how much you know we all know this team was pigeonholed into taking an offensive lineman down there at 24, and these other teams are looking at it saying, well, hey, you know, the best guy they might get might be this Tyler Smith. We're not really worried about him. Let's go get a Kayvon Thibodeau or a Jordan Davis. And, you know, now those are guys that Smith is going to have to go up against. So, hey, welcome to the NFL, rookie. Uh, you know, the Giants and the Eagles have some guys that are, are going to give you some trouble. Yeah, and that's it is they just – it's like in 2018 they had that – Mac kind of draft, and Leighton Van Der Esch, you know, went off, and he had a really good rookie year. It helped. They go to the playoffs. I mean, he's the second-best rookie linebacker behind Darius Leonard. And then in 2019, Gallup starts to come online in terms of a reliable option. 20, you got Gallup and Cedric Wilson. And then 21, really, that whole draft, the 28 draft class, matures and helps you out and you get into the playoffs again for the first time since 2018 and that's just how it works around here is it's like the olympics every three or four years dallas will make the playoffs meanwhile other teams 
like the Rams, just they keep going for some reason. So if you if you if you entertain me for a second, how many game? I'm looking at the 2022 opponents for the Cowboys. How many games though are you taking the field of a better quarterback? And let's leave the division games out of it because again, they you know they're going to sell you on the fact that Prescott's far and away the best quarterback in the NFC East, and that certainly probably is the case. But how many games you know outside of that are you going to have the better quarterback? Your home opponents that aren't NFC East. Are the Bears, Lions, Bucks, Colts, Texans, and Bengals, and then your away opponents are the Packers, Vikings, Rams, Jaguars, and Titans. Obviously, Tampa Bay, and the Packers. I think that is a big no. Yeah, Green Bay is a big no. Uh, but yes. even so, honestly, I think Dak Prescott can win you games. Oh, for well, sure. It's not that big of a drop off from Rodgers to Prescott from Brady. To Prescott from Burrow to Prescott, you know, so I like it. So, if we give you the Bears, the Lions, the Colts, the Texans, and the Bengals, that's one, two, three, four. And for the away opponents, we'll give you the Vikings, the Rams, we'll give you over Stafford. I know that's been a big debate all offseason. Uh, so, we'll go to Vikings, Rams, Jaguars, and Titans. So that's one, two, three, four. I'm doing math live on the air. It's always a bad idea. Uh, and then, and then three on the away schedule. So that's seven, and then the, you know, and then six games against the NFC. So yeah, so that gets you close to you know the twelve you had last year. But we don't know, you know, of course, how these games are going to go. But that's why it's tough for this team to sell. You know, oh, we're the same team when it takes a very specific payoff just to get them, you know, back to that twelve wins. And the rest of the division is trying desperately to really be a whole lot better and maybe should, you know, get to that number as well, if not to pass it. Uh, I think the best way is I'm going to sum up this offseason was if you look at a three-year plan, which you get asked on by your um, fiancé's parents, and also when you're interviewing for a new job is what's your well, that's three-year an plan. So I think the three-year plan is this is one step back, but then – they will have taken two steps forward. That's how I grade this offseason. We've mentioned Bruce Springsteen uh, on this show before, and he has a step. He has a song called One Step Up and Two Steps Back. So are you saying that's the theme of the offseason? Yes, just for uh, Coach Garrett, because I think he likes Springsteen too. Oh, of course, it's a Jersey guy. Yeah, how can you not? Yeah, so that, that that's that's how I'm taking it, Sean. What do you say? What's your final no, comments? on the the offseason. No, I don't disagree at all. I mean, the MO of this team in the offseason has been, hey, let's do just enough to, you know, make sure the draft board can come to us. And, yeah, you know, yeah, you can hear all this about other teams wanting Tyler Smith in the first round. All right, well, that's great. You know, let them make that mistake. And if not, you know, let them take a guy who, who can truly develop because you're already a playoff team. And sure, the Cowboys are a playoff team, but – you know, you were playoff team because the division was terrible. That's uh, we we've both been saying here on the show that we don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So, you know, you you did do enough to make sure that the draft board could come to you, and that's why you were forced to go take a left guard and then defensive end and receiver. Yeah, you I I like the value you got in Williams and Tober. I I like these players a lot. You can go read my work at bloggingtheboys.com, more in depth on these players, and I'm not knocking them at all, but. You know, the fact that you took them and started the draft with Smith and maybe all three of them were potentially around early, 
you know, goes to show that the offseason just wasn't the way that the Cowboys really envisioned things, and yet they they think they can still win this division. That's going to be the selling point, and, you know, we're a long way off from finding that out. But, you know, the rest of these teams are coming for you. That's all I can really say in that they know how to attack your weaknesses. They're not scared of, you know, the brand, the image, these things that the Cowboys hype up beyond what they really need to be. They're not scared of the fact that you partnered with a cryptocurrency website this offseason. They're taking the field ready to beat you up, you know, a little bit here. And they know that the offensive line is a weakness. And I don't think you've done enough still to address that. Uh, you know, the receiving core is what it is. And, you know, Dak Prescott's still the best quarterback in this division. But how long are we going to say that if they don't consistently qualify for the playoffs? Exactly. So now with this new draft class that they brought in, who's at most at risk of being cut? So this is a topic I actually covered at bloggingtheboys.com. You can go check it out in my winners and losers article. And, you know, I think this helps your point that you were just saying, Mark, in that they really were just drafting for the future and trying to develop some depth as opposed to, you know, making that big splash because it was kind of hard to come up with true names that are losers. You know, the names that I have are fringe players that are probably still going to be here. And even if they aren't, they won't change a whole lot. So on the offensive line, because of the Smith pick, I listed Matt Farniak, Isaac Alarcone, and Connor McGovern. And those are all obvious choices. You know, Farniak is your swing interior guy. I don't think the Cowboys are giving up on him yet, but you did add another interior guy, so that puts a little bit of pressure on him. The same for Alarcone. And McGovern, you know, was the incumbent uh, starter on paper going into this draft OF guard. But that's why you took a guy like Smith there to go take his job uh, and beat off guard. So that's why McGovern is on watch. On the defensive line with Sam Williams being the second-round pick, the only name I really came up with is Chauncey Golson. You don't have a lot of numbers here, so most of these defensive linemen are going to be able to have a path to stick. But when you talk about Golston, he was kind of that swing, edge, slash interior guy. I like a lot of the things he did, and that's why, again, I don't think the Cowboys are going to give up on him. But you did re-sign Carlos Watkins, so you do have some depth there on the inside to make it hard for Golston to find snaps. And now Williams is just another number on the edge to make it even harder for Golston out there. So he you know, he should have his head on the swivel a little bit, but I do think he had a pretty impressive rookie season, and the Cowboys want to see more from him. And then Tobert being your third-round pick at receiver, the only guys that really pushes is T.J. Vasher and Brandon Smith, uh, some down-the-roster receivers there. Uh you know, besides that, yeah, I think the rest of this roster is ready to, you know, hopefully take a step up. And the rookies are going to have to come in and really work hard as well to uh, to get to the point where last year's draft class is. I think that John Ridgway helps them move on from Tristan Hill by the end of preseason. By the end of preseason when they cut the 53. Are you saying that just because, like, you know Stephen Jones, you know, has a thing for players that he doesn't have to pay a lot of money and doesn't matter about the production, or do you actually see like some pass rush potential in Ridgeway? The former. Uh, just when you look at how everything slides into place, um, you know, Odigajua is a more productive player than Tristan Hill. Neville Gallimore. Yeah, that's the player. guy they're doing. You got Carlos Watkins. So that's what I'm saying. Like when this all clinks together, I think Tristan Hill's the odd man out by the end of preseason, cutting down to 53. Yeah, I wouldn't be terribly surprised, but, uh, you know, Hill was a former coaching staff's draft pick, so he's had his difficulties, you know, making an impact here. And, you know, 
I mean, it would sure be nice to see Ridgeway be that type of guy that could push him if he truly is, like I said, pushing Tristan Hill and not just, you know, selling a little bit and then the Cowboys fluff it up like they always do and saying, oh, well, the reason we could make this move and save cap space is because we got this guy Ridgeway and he's an Arkansas Razorback and all that. You know, he'd have to show quite a bit, but there is some potential there with the traits that Ridgeway has, you know, big star type of rusher. Uh, you know, Hill kind of has some of those traits, but he's also a little bit more finesse at times. I don't quite know that that's what Dan Quinn is looking for, where, where Ridgeway is kind of that down the line, you know, initial punch, get off type of swim move, get in the backfield type of guy. Yeah, and I, these guys, they're going to compete. Um, and like I said, it's going to be interesting, and we know what's going to happen. I, we, we honestly need to do a rookie minicamp primer just so people know how to – consume the news coming out of it because this is usually what happens and i hate to sound like ian malcolm when he got put on the lost world on Ela sorna and you know said oh yeah that's how this starts out when you see the dinosaurs Ooh ah then the running and screaming comes later is that's what it's like with the rookie minicamp is some undrafted free agent is gonna catch all the balls and then he's gonna be the new malik turner and then get ir'd the first week of training camp. But we'll talk about that on a later. Well, I want him a week turn it back on this roster. So, hey, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about that on a later podcast, maybe. Um, here's what's interesting, Sean, is the Cowboys and their nine draft picks that they made, the nine draft picks are probably going to get the talk. You know what I'm talking about when I tell you the talk, right, Sean? Uh, actually, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe like, okay. All right. I did an interview with Jerry, with Jerry Jr. Back in March of 2019, when he got inducted into the Arkansas sports hall of fame. And it was even worse when Gambit was here because we knew like exactly what he would tell these picks. I mean, like the secret audios all sounded the same throughout the 10 years he was here. Oh yeah. Yeah. it's a, it's a great day for us, but it's a better day for you and your family. Welcome to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Better days are ahead and everything. But, yeah, no, Jerry Jr. said that his dad gives them this talk. You know what? I'll just let Jerry Jr. Uh, tell us what they tell them. And, by the way, he's referencing upcoming Sidney Moncrief, who was part of the triplets for the Arkansas Razorback basketball team in the 70s and later played for the Milwaukee Bucks. But go ahead and play it on the Hidden Yardage podcast. But Sydney had visited with my dad uh, and getting some advice, and this was prior to, to the Dallas Cowboys, but had visited with my dad about he had an opportunity to be involved in a car dealership, and the guy bringing the deal to him said, hey, if you'll put some money in this, and we have this Sydney Moncrief dealership, and my dad looked over at Sydney and said, well, Sydney, I don't think you should put any money in it. You just ought to be the Sydney Moncrief dealership and tell him to put the money in it. And, of course, what does that mean? It meant that, Sydney, you're, they're getting that dealership because of your name. That dealership's going to work and move cars because of your name. And now if you're with a good partner that knows how to operate, that will work. Well, my dad tells that story time and time again to every single draft pick that we have come through the Dallas Cowboys, and here they are signing uh, big contracts for big money and trying to give them some advice let your name let your association with the cowboys be your currency to get in those businesses keep your money in your pocket 
he learned that excitement from being an Arkansas Razorback and what this state thinks about Arkansas Razorbacks. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting how they tell their draft picks. He did, and I, You know, when I did the interview and then later, I thought he said first round. No, that's all the draft picks. So even Jake Ferguson is going to get that talk about how that you basically use your leverage of being a Dallas Cowboy for to set yourself up for business deals. It's just, again, how this organization, this ownership blends business with football. And I think some of that is what aggravates fans at times when you've got a 26-year NFC championship game drought going on. Oh, absolutely. No, that's a great find and a great interview, Mark, because you know a lot of fans have been kind of talking about this, but searching for the evidence to back up their point in, you know, Hey, why do the Cowboys, you know, care more about business than winning? You know, they're not going to get my business until they, they actually win. That's why they need to focus on winning games. I'm not buying tickets. I'm not buying merch. Uh, and then, you know, the counter argument to that is, well, they do care because how can you prove otherwise, you know, where's the quote or the fact or the statistics that say that, you know, business is all that drives us. Sure, they're doing great in business, but, you know, for the most part, what NFL team isn't, you know, we just had a we just had a sold out draft in the middle of Las Vegas that, you know, made a ton of headlines and all that. So yeah, this is a, a major concern, you know, around Cowboys fans that indeed the truth is what it is, um, when it comes to how this team views their brand and their image and the business and that just goes to show it. So like you said, even a guy like Jake Ferguson and go on from there with the rest of the picks they made are going to have that opportunity. Now, there certainly is a way to seize that opportunity by actually playing well and having a long career here. And the guys who have done that best, you know, have benefited from it and gone on to, you know, multi-million dollar TV deals and things like that even, as opposed to, you know, you get cut two years in and the best thing that the Cowboys name can do for you is, you know, you end up in a headline from pro football talk in the middle of the offseason, you know, oh, former Cowboy did this or that. And everyone's like, he was a former Cowboy, and that's all there is to really offer. So there are levels to this, and winning is the ultimate level of how you can be successful in this game. And that's what the Cowboys tell us, and that's why we're all sold on the fact that, you know, they're still trying to win, but at what cost? And that's what this quote really uh, goes to show. Yeah, imagine how many car dealerships you could get if, you know, you won the Super Bowl, but that's for another day. Let me ask you this. What three storylines do Cowboys fans need to hear? Now the draft is over. Now that we're going into the uh, basketball on grass. What three storylines <laughs> do Cowboys fans need to hear to keep the optimism going? And we'll limit the scope, like I said, to off-season workouts, the basketball on grass period that ends in the middle of June. Yeah, so three quick ones for you. My first one starts with the Cowboys' third-round pick, Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver, South Alabama. It came out after his pick that Dak Prescott actually reached out to him before the draft and you kind of expressed interest in hoping the Cowboys would pick him. And that was a topic way back in the beginning of the offseason in terms of Prescott being on his new, being healthy, being on his new deal, was he going to have an influence in the offseason. And this is kind of the first true hint that he has um, and he gets a receiver that, you know, apparently he's a big fan of. Again, I think the biggest thing Tolbert can contribute is even without the ball in his hands, he's ready to go see some snaps. So that's very exciting. Uh, new Cowboys receiver coach Robert Prince gave him a private workout. So the Cowboys had a lot of interest here, and they went and got their guy in the third round. 
So that's one that you want to hear some positive reports about. Dorrance Armstrong is my next player. I do like what Sam Williams could bring. We want to pump the brakes always on first-year defensive ends. It's just not a position we should expect a whole lot in year one. So you really do need to hear about Dorrance Armstrong being that every-down type of player. We know about what he can do from a rust position when it's third and long, second and long, obvious passing situation, going for the A-gap, things like that, that Dan Quinn schemes for him. But can he be that every-down, play-to-run type of guy that helps ease the load on what Williams is going to be expected to, expected to do? That would be a good thing for Dan Quinn's defense as well. And then Deron Bland going further down the Cowboys draft class. Cornerback out of Fresno State reminded me a little bit of the Nason Wright pick from a year ago. You know, Wright was a third-round pick where they just gambled on his physical traits and said, we're going to work with it. And instead of Quinn being the guy who really worked with him, it was more John Fossil uh, turning him into a special teamer, which is fine. But yet, they feel like they have enough at cornerback um, at least in the short term, you know, the future of that position with contracts is very murky. But in the short term, they're not going to have to ask a whole lot of Wright or Bland. But if Bland, if Wright's going to be more that special teams guy, can Bland be this year's version of that where he actually does contribute at cornerback? He was a later round pick than Wright was. But I do like the physical traits, the man coverage ability, some of his toughness on the boundary. Uh, I do think he might have a better chance than Wright to go do some things on this defense. Uh, and he can start showing that in camp. All right, here's my three storylines to keep the optimism going. I think that Cowboys fans need to hear about Tyler Smith all day. Um, if it's in rookie, it's just so hard to felt the pads on. But yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to go. To, yeah. I know it is. I know with the basketball and grass, but I'm saying you need one of the tape guys to say, "Oh man, you know he, he's got good feet, you know, and he moves well," or just say something good about him in that regard, and he cannot miss a rep during the off-season workouts. So he's got to have incredible attendance, and he's got to show that he's uh, ahead or neck and neck or going to make it a tough decision come training camp with Connor McGovern. Uh, So that's what needs to happen with Tyler Smith. Also, Micah Parsons needs to do something. Like, you need to hear about, well, they are lining up Michael Parsons, they got a special sub package. They just need to hear something that Michael Parsons has added to his tool belt. And then finally, you need to hear about Dak Prescott and the chemistry with the new receivers, not just CeeDee Lamb. And, you know, that's kind of – but you need to hear, oh, James Washington is catching everything. You need to hear about Dak's chemist, developing chemistry with the new pass catchers. And those are my three Cowboys optimism storylines. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's well said all around, and you know it puts a strong, uh, a strong emphasis on the draft class. And yet, you know, again, the strength of this class was more so kind of getting those deaf guys, and maybe not those ready-made contributors. So if you do start hearing about these guys being contributors, yes, you should take it with a grain of salt because it's without pads and it's so so early in the process. But you know, nonetheless, that would be such a nice step to see uh, that these guys can start to see the field and. All we can hope from there is that it continues at the training camp in the preseason. Um, all right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays, Sean, to yes. close things out. And this week, it's it's kind of a significant week. On Tuesday, we get started off with B.W. Webb. He played cornerback for the Cowboys in 2013. He turns 32 years old. I can't believe he's that old. Yeah, right. And then on Friday... 
What? I was just saying, right? Yeah, I'm with you on him being old, but I guess that just means we're getting old, right? Yeah. Oh, no. I got one that'll make me feel old here in a second. But Jason Witten, he'll finally be a grown man on Friday as he turns 40 years old. Um, I'm a man. I'm 40. That's right. That's right. Mike Gundy um, said that in 2007. All right. So he turns 40 years old. What are your thoughts? You know, the thing with Witten, like, I feel like maybe I became a Cowboys fan too late to really appreciate him. Not that I don't, you know, appreciate what he did. Of course, he was a great player, but like, I've met Cowboys fans who say their favorite player was Jason Witten of all time. And for whatever reason, I can never quite get there with him. But that's not to say I wasn't a fan of what he did and, you know, the, the attitude and, and the work ethic and the skill he brought to this team. So, obviously, a lot of great memories with Tony Romo throwing the ball to Jason Witten um, and happy birthday to him. But, yeah, just kind of an interesting landmark in Cowboys history when you ask fans their perspective on Witten because the ones that got into it before me are probably telling you he's one of their all-time favorites. The ones that are right at the point that I am are probably saying that they saw, you know, more so in the back end of his career. And then, you know, the brand-new fans are saying, you know, Oh, that guy who held back, you know, some of our, our newer tight ends. And then on Saturday, Charles Tapper, the other fourth-round pick from 2016, played defensive end. He was only here through the 2017 season. He turns 29 years old. And then on Sunday, Felix Jones, the first – Razorback. There you go. The last run, uh, Razorback taken by the Cowboys in the draft. He turns 35 years old. Oh, my gosh. He's getting old. <laughs> and those are your Cowboys' birthdays. Well, now, now now, fans are begging for this to be a two-headed. Yeah, now fans are begging for this to be a two-headed monster with, you know, getting Tony Pollard enough carries to spell Ezekiel Elliott. So. I, I think some fans are begging for a chicken with no head, uh, the, the no-headed monster, because what do you need a running back for these and, days? And just throw it every point. Yeah, hey. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get like, my guy Tolbert some touches, you know. I've been talking him up, so here we go. Yeah, well, Tolbert will get you some touches, and I'll get me a pork roll, cheddar cheese, fried egg, bacon, no pickles. Yeah, please do. If you if you have to book a flight to New Jersey, please it's do it. It's probably going to take that. You know what? I'm going to look. There's a cheap airline. My brother flies down to Houston uh, from here. <laughs> I'm going to see. And if I and if for, like, $200, I can do that, I'll do that. Because I'm telling you, no one will know. What I'm talking, it would be better if I asked someone, would you give me a pop? They would give me a Coke and know what I meant down here before anyone would know anything about this burger you're talking about. Well, I mean, to be fair, I did give you substitutes. I was like, the best thing you could do is get a pork roll, but I did caveat it with, you're probably not going to be able to find it. So, like, here's also what you can do to make it pretty good. And I gave you, like, I think bacon. I like some barbecue sauce. I like some more Texas influence type of stuff. But, yes, you, that doesn't dispel from the fact that you should try uh, a pork roll and cheeseburger. All right. We'll get that taken care of sometime this week. I'll take a look at flights, see if I got to go to Jersey to have one. In the meantime, <laughs> subscribe to the Hidden Yard podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL and join the conversation. So there it is.